Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 182 brought to you by betonline.ag. It is June 6th. June 6th. I almost said July. June 6th, 2020. My co-host is back for two weeks in a row now. Heather Ingerson, welcome back. We're on a two-game winning streak. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we are back once again and uh, we do have a, a, a small list of topics to go over but we did have a very very interesting conversation with our friend Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media's Bruins Beat podcast and clnsmedia.com website and uh, he came on to talk a little bit about his experience as a young man grinding through the the stages of um, of Boston sports media as a 21-year-old. And we talked about so many different things. It was a really, really fun time to have him on again. I'm glad he did. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. We'll drop that later on. We're going we're to talk about a few topics before then. Uh, and uh, I th- I'm thinking we'll, we'll do that after our uh, 28-man roster predictions since the the uh, the rosters are going to be increased for the playoffs, and and you know just kind of you know keep be ready for any injuries or anything else. Emergency situations are going to carry on extra people. But uh, before I do that, I want to talk about show sponsor BetOnline.ag. Uh, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner BetOnline.ag. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline.ag has hundreds of games, events, and sports to get your wagering fix on. You can bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC, or even participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up this Sunday, betonline.ag has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, 
Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit the website or use the mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. And don't forget to use code CLNS50 when you sign up for a free account. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering solution. So let's jump right into it. And and we I, I wanted to get a little more familiarized with this first topic that we're going to talk about. I didn't want to just go into it without knowing all the facts and so on. But um, there's with COVID-19 pretty much ruining the lives of, of many and, and families and so on, it, it, it was, there's no time for this at all. And, and I'm sorry, but uh, racism is not at the, in anywhere in my life. And I, and I can't stand it. I, get, I even get worked up even talking about it, but we do want to bring something up about it because the, there, there is some hockey relation to it, and, and some players have said something, and we will talk about who they did and what they said. But uh, a while back, uh, a gentleman was killed. Uh, a black man was killed. And, and it, it was, it's very unfortunate that this stuff has to happen in these days with, with the way that, um, you know, Willie O'Ree uh, just goes out, out of his way to, to keep the message going that we are all – uh, one, we're a human being, we're a group, we're, we're on this planet together and we have to live that way. And, um, but the, so the racial divide is just, it, it, it's, it's, no, it's a serious thing and, it, and it's, it seems to be getting worse and, and uh, I'm not thrilled about talking about it, but Heather, why don't you jump in here and, and, and say some words if you would. Oh, I absolutely would. Um, I think it's, obviously it's disheartening I love that you see the protests that I, I think citizens have the right to say enough is enough. And I'm glad to see we are at a point where I think the majority of Americans and Canadians and whoever else, it's kind of spreading around the world, you know, voicing. Like for me, like you said, it's not like race is not really an issue for me. I do think that's obviously an issue. I was talking the other day with someone like in our lifetimes, right? We're the generation where maybe as kids growing up in suburbia, we saw Rodney King. That was our first, like, oh my God, like, you know what I mean? And sure, that was a different circus or whatever. But as a citizen and as a white person, you know what I mean? Raising sons to hopefully not, you know, I do think that this not condoning obviously anybody committing violent acts and looting and all that BS, right? But people, citizens around the world who are truly voicing their opinion, I think this is the first time that we truly, most citizens are like enough is enough. Just as a citizen, this disgusts me. Like you can, when you have this much footage and time after time, I mean, it's not even, it's only been a couple of weeks since that gentleman was uh, killed and taking a run, you know, like just was killed for no reason. And you can no longer like put the blame off. Like we as a culture need to come to reckoning and that's what's happening right now. And I'm glad to see now it's kind of, you know, the, the pro peaceful protesters, which is the majority of most people. And it's not a political thing because there are plenty of people who might not agree about politics, but agree as citizens, like enough is enough. Like, you know, and something has to change because I had someone say to me something like, well, you know, there was four cops and this and that and it was a 45 minute interaction i'm like really because the eight minutes i saw clearly shows 
there were three cops standing around watching one dude clearly saying, get off me. You know what I mean? Please. And it not happen. And uh, I think his daughter said the other day, uh, George Floyd, uh, my dad changed the world. And hopefully, unfortunately, the way it happened, hopefully he did. Like, hopefully this is the breaking point where we make real meaningful change in our culture and in our institutions and in whatever, as we interact, like you said, as human beings, like Jesus, like American on American violence, no matter how it's happening, needs to stop. It's like sickening as an American, like saddening, sickening, you know, like why we're such a great nation? Why do we do this to each other? Like why? Like we're, we have the, all the opportunity in the world to be an example. And I hope we take this where leaders listen that can make real change through thing and citizens finally stand up and say, this is our country and we will no longer tolerate that. And that will perpetuate real change. So that's just my I just want us to all heal, but not band-aid things, move forward in a real meaningful way. Yes, absolutely. And, and the, 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 the protests and so on, the, the, the obviously the, the, the good ones, um, and like you said, the looting and so on, you know, you folks need to have their, their voices heard. And this is a, these are great ways to do it, um, but do it safely. And, and, the the whole looting thing, I just, uh, I get so disgusted that sometimes the internet makes me want to throw up because I saw so many videos of, you know, I'll, I'll do, for instance, I'll just take one. It was this, these, these two older couples that own a, a hardware shop were getting looted and they got beat up. Like these, these gentlemen beat these older elderly folks that own this shop with a two by four. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it, but that stuff has to be stopped. You can make a point by saying something, going to these rallies and doing it safely. Don't, don't go to, to violence because uh, it doesn't do anything good about it, you know? Um, That's the problem though, right? Is that there's this small majority of people who don't come there to be one of the, whichever, you know, whatever you're protesting at that moment they come and take the opportunity to cause the chaos that will lead to being able to do criminal things. That's not what the actual protesters are about on the majority. You know what I mean? Yep. You're always going to have someone who's going to pop off, but you're right. People's voices have to be heard. And I would like to just shout out, uh, we in our small town, and this is happening all around the world, big cities, small towns, because our small town that only has what, 17,000 people or so in it had probably a thousand people downtown, you know, having, we, there was kind of a national moment where people were doing it all at the same time. And I do have to say, I was never so proud to be from this town to see that. Like, you know, because let's face it, when we were kids, this was not a very diverse town. We're near diverse towns, but here was not. And, you know, and now we are. And it was nice to see, you know, like not here. And that's important is we all have to say, stop, not here. Not the looting, not the violence, you know, against black America, you know, and I mean, well, we, sorry, not to offend anybody. I say black because I'm, when I, for a kid from the 70s, but you right. know, black lives do matter. And people who minimalize it to all lives matter, it's like, that's the point, right? We shouldn't even have to still say black lives matter. That's the whole point, right? Exactly. So let's address exactly. it. There's real disparity and change it. You know what I mean? Because you know what? Also, and the people like, well, most of the cops, and that goes too. No, do not attack the cops. Most cops, 95% of the cops, they're with you. That's why you see people taking nails. Right. Or even in Boston the other day, that small majority, everyone was like going home after a peaceful protest with 10,000 people or whatever. And then the small group, I watched it on my own eyes on the local. This one guy, white guy, threw this bottle at a cop and 
near downtown crossing right before it popped off the other night. Like, no people. If you don't want to be part of the solution, just stay away and let the yeah. people's voices be heard and don't make it about your looting and your criminal activity when the issue is dealing with something we need to deal with as a nation and culturally. And like you said, unfortunately, I feel like we're moving farther apart in a moment where it's the perfect time for us as Americans to unite. You know, we were divided on so many things. Like besides, it's silly. We're all Americans. We all basically love and want this. We love our families and we're hardworking and whatever else. And let the citizens' voices be heard and the rest of the stuff, whatever. Yeah. We well, as a world, right? And that, and then like I, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, I saw him, he took a knee with the protesters outside of their parliament parliament hall whatever it's called in ottawa like that's what we need we need everyone from the ground up but no more the citizens don't get listened to right that's yeah. the problem is that the but, people raise their voices and it always ends up getting kind of washed away and that can't happen anymore one thing i i, I want to see is i i unfortunately these are the times when somebody dies like this like mr floyd died this is not only sparks anger and rage in many but Unfortunately, this is the time when like police departments or, or anything that you do for public safety get scrutinized. And um, I believe that that gentleman, I, I can't even call him a gentleman, that piece of shit that, that went over above and beyond himself and used his badge to be something that he's not. Um, this is when you have to look at his record and say, this can't happen anymore. This, that piece of shit was written up 18 times in his career. I go to work, I get written up twice, the third time I'm out. You know, this is when you have to get departments together and get something on, on paper and constantly train and so on, keep it going because this can't continue to happen. And it bothers me. It bothers me that you're a police officer and you're in a precinct that you can't, you know, like if he's being that bad, tase him. You know what I mean? Don't put, don't put him in a position that he's gonna die. It's just I I, I don't I don't understand that you know. But that anyway, someone's death. Yeah, I don't know. Has I don't understand as another human being how you could do that to another human being. I was listening to I think it was Bill Maher said. At some point, even in a bar fight, you say enough's enough to your buddy, and those cops stood there and never said enough to their buddy. You know what I mean? And yep. I think he was like a young cop too. It's not like he was like the senior sergeant and people are afraid to listen to him. Like it basically was allowed by other law enforcement agents to lead to this man's death. And it's not okay. Cause now there's a little girl who doesn't have her father and our country again, has a racial wound ripped wide open unnecessarily. Exactly. Enough's enough. Enough's yeah. enough. The, um, the other thing I wanted to say was I did see, uh, like I said, I've seen so many videos on this. I did see one video that I saw some good from the police officer um, and it was somebody else that got arrested and they used that same tactic of putting the knee behind the neck and the cop that was there helping like literally moved the dude's knee off of the, uh, the arresting person's neck. And I was just like, wow, that's that, you know, there's, there's a small step moving forward in how to, properly take care of these people that that need to be subdued until they can f see their day in court not not see their day to their freaking grave that's just that's just too much for me so well like you said 
you need, it's about training too. Like police agencies, some of them are, have great training and more modern training and resources. And those who don't, if that's what it's come down to, then maybe you need to get training for 2020 and how to be a law enforcement agency in a multicultural, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi, like sexual, whatever. Like we are multicultural, multi-mismash of everything you from but the kitchen sink. So if you cannot protect and serve and be unbiased and reasonable in those circumstances, you need to find another line of work. Exactly. Because it undoes all the good work that other cops do that connect to their community and respect everybody as citizens equally. You know what I mean? Don't yep. get me wrong. Cops have the right to defend themselves. That's why I'm saying these looter and whoever don't attack the police. That's not right. Police officers shouldn't be losing their life because this asshole in Minneapolis, you know, and I get it's a representation thing. And that's the whole thing is, Obviously, I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't want to take it political, but like I said, it made my heart happy to see Justin Trudeau taking a knee because obviously in different areas in our country, leadership isn't at, always uh, as vocal or strong to stand with the people. And sometimes imagery has been used in the last week and a half or so, whatever, that I think even as a white American, it opens up some imagery in my head of just how horrible in uh, the impact of some of the words that are being used of like what to do with protesters, this and that. No, what to do with the rioters and stuff, not what to do with the protesters. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to get into it, but like, again, leaders bring people together. Leaders heal. And that goes anything. It doesn't matter. Teachers, whoever, like it's our job as citizens, if we want a healthy society to keep everybody else in check on behavior and whatever else. And I hope Again, it's not just another Band-Aid. We're all going to chant and be pissed off for two weeks and then nothing changes until the next time this happens in two weeks. Like, none of it. Like, it has to change. Whatever is going on with us as a culture still at this point is unnecessary. I think not the majority of how Americans feel and other places around the world feel. And it's time the people's voices are heard. That's why we have the right to protest and get it done, leaders. Figure it out to how to protect citizens in this country that are literally being killed for no reason. Yeah, and, 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 and you talk about leaders, Heather, and, and we're gonna bring it back to a little bit of a Bruins relation, uh, but uh, two leaders uh, of the Boston Bruins uh, have spoke out, and one of them uh, was out there uh, in the protest, the, the safe protest and so on, and, and uh, you know, I had a lot to say. So uh, why don't you, uh, read a little bit about what Patrice Bergeron said because it, it, it he really touched the the hockey world with what he said and um, and I'll go on and read the uh, the Chara one. Yeah, I'm gonna try to read the first time I read it. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of teared up a little bit, so I'm trying gonna try and not do that because I think it is well written, well spoken kind of statement. I think everyone else has too, but <clears throat> I obviously can't do Bergeron justice. But he says, as many as you. And many of you know, I don't have social media. Right or wrong, I've often tried to stay away from making my opinions public. As hockey players, we have a tendency to do our business while staying quiet without wanting to make much noise. It's our culture. But surrounding the murder of George Floyd and the protests that followed, it made me realize that by not speaking upon the matter and not using my voice as a professional athlete is in fact allowing racism to fester and continue. Silence is not an option anymore. I realize that I will never truly understand the fear, the pain, the suffering and that the black community has endured. As a white man, I have always tried to live my life with respect and equality, but I also acknowledge my privilege. 
I'm disappointed in myself that it took this long for me to truly open my eyes. Seeing all the pain truly breaks my heart and forces me to seek answers. Today and going forward, I want to listen, educate myself and stand up for the black community. We cannot change the past, but we can certainly change the future. And it's time to truly acknowledge this cry for help. It needs to be more than just a simple Instagram post. Let's get a real, yeah, let's take real action and with an open heart and compassion. And I am determined to be an ally, continue to grow myself and raise my children to be anti-racist. In addition to my words, my family and I are donating $25,000 to the Boston branch of the NCAA, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, NAACP. I don't know why I would mess that up. I know that one, <laughs> sorry. Um, and $25,000 to the Centre Multi-Ethnique de Quebec. I will not be quiet anymore. With love, respect, and the most sincere humility, Patrice Bergeron. I'd also like to point out, it has been going around on internet, but one of the big names that did answer uh, and make a comment on it was uh, P.K. Subban, and he wrote Leaders Lead with like a praying hands and a big thumbs up and forwarded the message to like get on. And I think... I don't know. I just, I'm very proud of Patrice Bergeron because it is hard to be someone who stands up and says out loud what everybody else is probably thinking, you know what I mean? And like, yep. regardless of what tier sports athlete, you know, hockey players may or may not be outside of the hockey world, they still have meaningful voices that impact millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the world. So good on Patrice, like couldn't be prouder and couldn't have been more said, you know? And sorry and, about messing up the NAACP. I do know what, like, sorry. Don't worry. No worries. Um, Zeno, Zeno Chara also stood up and, and had something to say. And I'm going to read his Instagram post. I believe it's from the Instagram post or it is from the Boston Bruins. But uh, Z says, for the last 13 days, I've been sick about George Floyd's murder. I have taken time to think and listen. Time to find bravery and time to try to find the uh, right words, though I'll admit I'm still struggling. First thing is first, and let, let it be clear. I stand with the black community, the Black Lives Matter. There is no room in the world for this, for racism, period. Sure, I've dealt with my own share of adversity in an uh, um, outsider living in the country, but recognize my challenges were not made harder or impossible because of the color of my skin. Uh, moving on to the second one. I will never know what it's like to walk down the street and feel unsafe. Uh, no one should have to experience that feeling. We have to take better care of each other and respect each other equally and must be, must be a priority. Anything less is unacceptable. Uh, I learned a lot yesterday and had a good, honest conversations. Not only did we take steps in a walk but we made strides in learning and educating together but it doesn't stop there i will continue to stand walk with you i have your back that was a a very powerful uh you know powerful words from a very powerful man and a leader not only in the locker room and on the ice but in the community so uh good on patrice bergeron and uh good on uh z for uh doing and just you know Get, trying to get everybody connected. The time, the team themselves did also put out a statement right before. They put out a statement on Tuesday 
uh, themselves, and they said Black Lives Matter, bigotry, and ignorance, and senseless violence in any and all forms is wrong. We are a hockey club, and sometimes it's hard to know when, where, and how to comment on issues that challenge the freedom and well-being of our community. We want to be honest, and we want to be accountable, and we want to be leaders. The abhorrent murder of George Floyd and similar events cannot be tolerated. We want to be part of the change, and we will lead with our actions, and that will always start with treating all people with dignity and respect. But we came out and said something right this time as an organization, and they didn't really wait much longer. I mean, a lot of places, uh, sporting people have not commented at all. Uh, I mean, like, you know, organizations themselves. And uh, I thought even that was just a nice little tight statement from the Bruins. So if we're all using our voices big and small, then this is the beginning of real change, I think, permanent. You know, we're at a point now, you know. Yep. You can never get away from the past. It's always part of you, but part of moving past the past is understanding and learning from it. Right? That's it. That's not just because I'm a history teacher. <laughs> All right. Um, should we do, uh, should we jump right in, do a quick ad read, and then enter in the, uh, the our Evan Marinovsky interview? Sure. Uh, can you, if I mess up, can you edit it? <laughs> not really. You want okay. me to do it? No, I'm going to do it. I just won't mess it up. Don't look at me. Look the other way. No, I'm just kidding. Ready? Um, so anyways, I get to read this for Awaken 180. When most people try to lose weight, they think exercise. Whether they actually start exercising or not, the results are the same either way. I say the same because losing weight is all about nutrition. With Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you will receive customized nutrition plan, weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching, and an option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose weight in your first week and each week after until you're down to your ideal weight. During your weight loss transformation, you'll be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat when you can to keep that weight off long-term. As always, Waken 180 will provide you with free support for life. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Dan Ray, Kyle Draper, Andy Gresh, and thousands of others. Now it's your turn to call for the long-term solution for weight loss in the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox, Awaken 180 Weight Loss, online at awaken180weightloss.com. Killed it. You killed it. Nice job. Nice job. Don't I love it. Don't worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with those fantastic words uh, from Heather, the co-host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and the awesome people at Awaken 180, we will now transition our talk to Evan Marinovsky, the host of the CLNS Media uh, Bruins Beat podcast. So without ado, here's our interview with Evan. Hey guys, as mentioned in the beginning of the show, I do have we do have a very special guest coming on. He is a good friend of mine. His name is Evan Marinovsky. You can follow him on Twitter at eMarinovsky. He is the Bruins Beat Podcast host on the CLNS Media Network, and you can read all of his writings at the clnsmedia.com website. Evan Marinovsky, welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, buddy. Thank you for having me. I uh, we always like, kind of promote each other. Um, and I think the last time I was on this show was May of last year, May of 2019, so the Bruins are kind of in the playoffs. Technically, the Bruins aren't in the playoffs yet, so this is before the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, very happy to be here. Very nice to meet you, Heather. Yes, yes, the playoff talk is, is Roman. I got my playoff beard going on. Hopefully, COVID-19 <laughs> doesn't continue to screw this up, but 
Um, no, it's been it's it's a pleasure to have you on again. Um, one of the one of the ma uh, many folks in Boston sports media that I really respect, and uh, it, it's coming because you're a young man and you're and you're grinding your way through um, school and and time at the garden and, and practice and and all this kind of stuff. And I've had the absolute pleasure of rubbing elbows with you as a media member at development camp. And um, and we've we've talked back and forth, and he's just been a great guy. And just I just wanted to have you back on. But let's start the questions off. Um, this is a good one for me. Is as a young guy grinding through Boston sports media, what was the moment in your life that you were like, I I want to do this for a living? Was did it go back to a, your childhood? Was it a sports moment, or was it somebody in your a friend, a family member that was in the field that you you wanted to aspire to. That's funny. It's a great question. Uh, I think. I mean, I loved sports growing up. Played hockey. Played baseball. Loved both uh, a lot. Um, and I think growing up, it was kind of like, all right, I'm probably not going to play this professionally. And that's a realization. I think you know, 99.9% .9 of kids have at some point. Uh, but it's like I don't want to just leave this. I don't want to leave this behind and just go on. I want to do something in this area. This is what I'm passionate about. And I don't know if there's a specific moment, um, but I always, you know, originally I wanted to be the play-by-play -play person, and then that kind of fell by the wayside, and I, I enjoy writing a little bit more and hosting and stuff like that. Um, but in high school, we had a TV station, and I did that as well as played on the hockey team. That was a very rare combination. Not many people did, you know, did a sport and, and did uh, the TV station, so I did both. And that was, I loved being on TV. I loved, you know, because you were, and that was the toughest audience. You know, you're talking to your classmates. You're talking to people you're going to see in, in five minutes. So if you mess up, they are going to let you know. I mean, and and I think that was, like, fun for me. You know, and I had, I had an audience, in quotation marks. Um, and I think that was so fun for me. And I realized, you know, I want to do journalism. I want to, you know, go into the Boston sports media scene. Uh, and then I just, you know, I got very fortunate in college. I've had some you know, very good opportunities. I've been fortunate to make the most of them. Um, and I'm, I'm again, it, it still always grinding. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Still working. You know, I, I, it's, it, it's been awesome. It's been great. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's been uh, a lot faster than I thought would happen. But there's still obviously a, a long way to go. I'm only 21, so I, you know, I, I, in no ways am I satisfied with anything. You know, you have to always keep pushing but yeah I don't think there was a specific moment it's just I always loved sports I knew I wanted to be a part of it and I, always, and I realized in high school you know I love to write I love to I love to tell stories I love to talk to people so that kind of was a perfect storm for what I eventually would like to do awesome Heather I apologize if you can hear the pouring rain in the background yeah, well, you know what's funny I just looked out my window and it is a yellow haze because it's so windy. It's all the pollen. I've n I've never seen anything like this. It is disgusting. Thank God I'm inside right now. <laughs> We're having a little bit of thunderstorm rolling through on my side of town over here. Anyway. Same here. Uh, Evan, one of the questions actually you brought it up. Um, you know, you're young. You're very good at what you do. You're like a natural. Um, but Boston sports media can be kind of like a. I don't want to use the term like boys club type thing but I mean it, it's tough you know like the same people have been the people for many many years around here have you had any uh, trouble I mean even though you have a lot of experience just from being age uh, getting around some of the hurdles to maybe get access to players or things like that 
Yeah, uh, of course. And I think that it, you're 100% right. It is a very it, – it's, first of all, it's very cutthroat. It's very it, – you know, it, it's not it, – it's very few people can kind of get into that. And I, I honestly don't think I have yet. Maybe people might disagree. I don't think I have yet. I think there's still a, lot, a ways to go, mainly because I'm still in college. Um, but uh, you mentioned an interesting point. You know, you're you're with a lot of veterans. You're with people who I, I grew up reading. Like I and 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 you know, like your Kevin Paul Duponts. Um, you know, you have your Flutos. You have your Joe Joe McDonalds. You know, and I I knew Joe actually from high school. Uh, he was friends with one of my English teachers, and they, he kind of set us up to talk, and then we didn't talk for a few years because I was still in high school. And then I show up at a development camp, and he's like, hey, I remember you. So, And we've become really good friends ever since. Um, so gaining the respect of the, the veterans was a big thing, like you know, just kind of talking to them, you know, just having a working, fun relationship with them um, has been awesome. And I think that's a way that – and when you're at things – when you're constantly at as many things as you can be, obviously I'm at school for a lot of the year, so I miss a ton of games. I miss a ton of going to practices, but when I'm home and not at school, I go to practices and I go to the games, um, and I try to go as many team events as I can. Um, you know, being there shows that okay, he's not just some kid who wants to have a media pass to take a picture that he's at the game. Like he actually wants to do something with this, which I think is is tough because there's a lot of I you know. And this is from what they say. You know, there's a lot of people that come in who they see as, oh, they just want to, you know, use the media pass or to, to watch the game or, or do nothing or take a picture of the ice, things like that. You see the pictures of the ice before the game, <laughs> every game. Um, but, you know, I think gaining their respect, gaining the respect of PR. I mean, I, I made a lot of stupid mistakes at the beginning, so kind of working to be like, okay, I'm not just a, a dumb young kid. Like, I actually want to be here. I want to do this. Um, being again, being at everything, I think all those things kind of make for uh, kind of a mishmash of. I, I already use this term, but perfect storm uh, of of kind of a little bit of respect and a little bit of okay, this kid is serious about this, and I think that you know, and again, a big a big thing for that for me was the 2019 playoff run because I was there the entire time. I was I, I wasn't you know I was going back and forth from school to practices to games. I was at every, pretty much everything. Um, and that's you know getting to know them, you know, doing homework before games in the in the media room, like stuff like that. Um, I think you know to me showed like okay, I still love to do this, and to other people said okay, he's serious about this. And I think that I think anybody can respect that hard work. So I, I think it, it's been a very it's been it's it's been a lot quicker than I thought, um, but it's been a an, an incredible uh, little ride I've had here in the past year and a half to two years. Well, I have to say that you definitely, your professionalism comes across and your passion comes across, and I think that's why maybe your star is shooting a little faster than you might have thought of. I know you're probably thinking, good grief, I haven't even left school yet, you know? Like, well, I thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. I think it's, you know, it's, and what's crazy is, like, I've immersed myself so much in the Bruins world, and I, I mean, I grew up a Bruins fan, um, but, you know, after college, obviously jobs are hard to find. You wonder, like, you know, if I got a, you know, if I got a, you know, potential opportunity covering the Panthers or the Coyotes or a team like that, you know, that would be a whole different experience. But you can always come back here, like, you know, like a Sarah Sivian. I mean, I, I guarantee you in the next five years, she's back here um, killing it with, with covering the Bruins. So 
I think it getting this is my first opportunity, my first big opportunity has been incredible, um, and it's been so fun, and it's made fun of pe- with, with people like you guys. I mean, Mark, you know, you from day one have been a huge supporter of mine. So I mean, I can't, I, I really can't thank you enough for that. I, I mean it when I say you're the man, Mark. Um, yep. So like, thank you both. Absolutely. Uh, as a student of UMass, I got to ask you, and a former defenseman, um, how was it to see uh, potential Rookie of the Year, Kale McCarr? Oh, so that was incredible. I mean, I think Kale, watching him turn into what he became uh, was so cool. Now, granted, I was a sophomore. I actually did not cover that UMass hockey team because the three people who were covering it were older, so they had seniority, which I was a little butthurt about. Mm-hmm. Um, but... They were, they were right to cover the team. I covered it, you know, this past year. I'll cover it next year. Uh, but to to be a fan and watch Kale do what he was able to do, I mean, he dominated. Like, rarely in sports do you see someone, like Connor McDavid's a little bit like that, but in, in the NCAA, in Hockey East, Kale's ability to break up a play in his own zone, set you know, skate at the length of the ice, make an offensive play, drill someone in the process, like just all in 30 seconds. Um, I, so well-rounded. And, and I mean, transformed that whole program. Now it's this highly sought-after place people want to go play at. Um, it, it was tremendous to watch him front and center, and it's even cooler to see him thriving in the NHL the way he is. I mean, you know, a Calder candidate for sure. You know, if he didn't get hurt, he would have been the runaway favorite, I think, maybe a little bit over Quinn Hughes. Um, I'm just tremendous hockey player uh, and e- an even better person. Everyone who covered him said he was the nicest person. You know, they can't speak higher of him. Um, to me, watching K- Kale McCarr firsthand was unbelievable. I mean, it's kind of like a lot of the B- – it's funny, you know, the, the BU kids like Connor. Like, Connor covered Jack Eichel. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. No, I didn't get to cover Kale, but as a UMass guy, I get to say, hey, I watched Kale McCarr in person. So he has, you know, Connor and, the, and Marissa and the BU people have Eichel, and I get to say, hey, I had Kale McCarr. So I finally get to say I have someone. And I think there's some people coming up the pipeline that I'll get to brag about as well. Nice. Eva? Uh, yeah, I just, again, like I said, you seem to have a natural ability for this media thing, uh, and you're a really good interviewer. Uh, who have been some of your favorite people to interview? And without having to name names, has there been any interviews that you just thought, dear God, even with what I can do, how can I get out of this as soon as possible? Oh, so I have one story. It's not really an interview. It's a question I asked. Um, This was the first practice media availability after the Bruins uh, advanced to the Cup last year. Um, So obviously... As the, as the playoffs went on, the media contingent got bigger and bigger and bigger because obviously the, the games got bigger and, you, you know, the Globe is sending 10 people. The Herald's sending their whole sports department. Like, there's And there's tons of national people. So um, I remember Chara didn't play game four against the Hurricanes. I don't remember the reason, but he didn't play. And, but he went out and accepted the trophy with all his equipment on. I remember seeing people on Twitter saying, I wonder if Chara watched the whole game with his equipment on. And I remember thinking, huh, that's interesting. I wonder if he did. And for some stupid reason, in the scrum at his locker with probably 40 media people, cameras, I'm in the back. Like, I, and I had time to think about this. I had time to go, this is a bad idea. Why would I ask this? So I, I just say, like, hey, Z. And he kind of, like, can't find me. And then he's like, just, just ask the question. Because he couldn't see where I was because I was so far in the back. 
and I said, hey, you know, did you, you know, you accepted the trophy in your full uniform. Did you watch the game and your, were you, did you dress up for the whole game? And he just kind of rolls his eyes and chuckles. And he's like, no, I did not watch the game in my full uniform. And I was like, oh, that was a doozy. And I walked away from that being like, damn, people were kind of like laughing and like kind of winking at me. And I was like, oh man, like that was a tough question. That was a stupid question. Ask. And the worst part about it was I had time to think of it. I had time to go, hey, that was, you know, this might not be the best question, but for some reason, I thought, hey, it'd be really cool if he did watch the game in his full uniform, but obviously he didn't. Uh, my favorite, I, I don't think I've had any, like, bad encounters or, like, hostile encounters uh, with people. I mean, I remember the, this wasn't, again, these were just scrums, but, like, Dougie Hamilton's scrums last year were very contentious because you had half, you know, I remember, like, you had some Boston media in the scrums with him and would ask him questions and he'd just give one-word answers. Like, he did not want, he really didn't want to talk about the Bruins or anything like that. Um, other than that, I mean, the Bruins locker room themselves, you know, th those players are all very open, very nice guys. Um, my favorite interviews for, I'll, I'll speak mainly on Bruins beat, Jeremy Swayman a few weeks ago is very interesting to me, I think, in general. So there's a lot to talk about with him. Um, he's definitely one of my favorites. Um, Tori Krug's always a good interview. I've always wanted to get him for Bruins beat. Um, but he, he really is a great, he's a great talker, great interview. Um, and then Jack Edwards, this was last summer. I did like a two part thing on his history and, uh, what he kind of, uh, what his career is, has been like. Um, and that was really cool for me. Cause I just started out, uh, as a host of Bruins beat. So I said, Hey, you know, this is a solid guest. And, um, he was, he was great to talk to, um, and so, yeah, I think those are probably my, my favorite ones. And then, obviously, the Chara question would be my least favorite. <laughs> I, I, I'd imagine that uh, our friend Matt Kalman was there to uh, let you know how bad that question was. Oh, I don't remember if it was him. I remember <laughs> someone walking away being like, you really thought he watched the game at a full year? I don't know if it was him. But Kalman, the great thing about Kalman is, like, I worked with him last year with EEI. And working with him was great. And I sat next to him for, like, I think most of the games, uh, or at least the cup games. Um, and he's great because he, I mean, he, obviously he gives me a ton of crap. He doesn't mean it. You know, we give each other crap. But, uh, he, he really was great to work with. I think he, he there, def, there were definitely times he'd be like, Evan, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> like, I remember there was one time where I was rushing. This had nothing to do with Calvin, but this goes to show me being a rookie. Uh, during the Toronto series, the first round, I was the third person on Bruins for EEI. So they'd be like, hey, can you go to the Toronto locker room? Um, and I remember thinking, where the hell where's the visit like where do the, the visitors do their media availability and i remember running down the hall and, or like you know speed walking and being like where the hell is it and i just stopped some random person i think it was a toronto assistant coach and i stopped and asked where the, the locker room was i mean total idiot I, someone grabbed me behind and was like no like it's this way we're go with me and so you know I, the, the the veterans on that beat were always have always been great to me and all the young people to be like you know they understand they, they were there too you know like everyone's had has those moments I will have more of them they will they will there will be more um, if you, as long as you can laugh at it and learn from it you know it it's you didn't kill anybody so it's fine Evan um, you're talking about like sitting next to a person like Matt Kalman um, last year now. Let's talk. Let's look at the um, the landscape of TD Garden, which was then and now. 
Can you, I mean, the fans have obviously are very, very upset about the changes that they made in the seating arrangements down in the bowls and the, and the balcony. But as a media member that goes to the garden all the time, um, were these changes for you guys up on level nine better or worse? Um, I believe they were better. Uh, I, because I went to opening night, I was at when all games over winter break. Um, I believe the seats were nicer. I know that there's a um, a ledge. They like my seat was on the ledge, so I was like off the side of the balcony, <laughs> and nope. But they were nice seats, and there were outlets everywhere. Because uh, during the playoffs last year, they were redoing it as the playoffs were happening, so outlets were hard to find sometimes. Um, the only thing was last year they used to have sodas uh, and stuff upstairs. This year, I think they just had water and like some candy, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but like whatever. It's not a big deal to me. I never really ate up there anyways. Um, the, the changes weren't massive. I think the biggest change to TD Garden that I've never really liked, and everyone talks about no more yellow seats, and I get that, but the real change was the lighting. They used to have it where you could see the fans. The fans looked like they were on top of the ice, and you could see them. And if you go back and watch you know, 2011 and 2013, the, the fans are just on top of the action. But because of the lighting, and the Celtics did the same thing, the seats are, like, the lighting around the seats is darker. So the focus is more on the ice, what the Lakers do, and I think it's what the Brooklyn Nets do as well. They wanted the focus to be on the ice. By taking away the lighting around the, the fans, it just looks a little bit weirder. You don't see the fan reaction as well. You don't see the reaction to just different things. I've always liked seeing that. I mean, that, that was like a staple of 2011 and 2013 was the fans just being there um, on top of everything. Now, let's get fans back in the building first. Yes, <laughs> now, let's get exactly. fans back in the building. But from a changes perspective, I always thought the lighting was way weirder than the, the black, all black seats. Yep. All right. Um, well, uh, you kind of answered it that you'd like to get Tory Krug for an actual interview, which would make my heart explode. Just so you know, that would be great. Um, <laughs> I'll but as uh, it, who are some people that you really, really would like to get interviewed? It doesn't. I know you're into sports, kind of generally. You know, you're a journalist and all things. Are there some people that would be like your ultimate? You really would like, you know, obviously particularly in Boston sports, but just generally as a sports. I mean, I think. This obviously would never happen, but I think a, an open, honest interview with Bill Belichick, I think, would be, like, what everyone would dream of. I Just, like, be honest with me. Like, you know, it would ha that'll probably happen long after his coaching career is over. Uh, for, from a Bruins perspective, I mean, everyone – from the from the Bruins right now, I think, you know, a good solid interview with Tuka Rask, I think, would be cool to get him to really open up. Um, Patrice Bergeron sometimes is, sometimes is guarded. I think getting him to really open up and 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 I think that would be very interesting. He's also just a very respectful person and a very good guy, as we all see right now, and we have all seen for years and years and years. Um, but I think you know from from this team. So, are you saying? Bruins and Boston sports in general, or could, like, yeah, be general. It could be someone who's just a legend around, or who you know, whatever. You're a kid from this area, you know. We know who the big names are. I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, I. Oh yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
a good uh, Brad Marchand's a great interview. I think. I think he's a very interesting guy. He says things. He's not. He's not afraid to say certain things. I think he's someone that is very interesting. Um, David Krejci is a weird one. David Krejci doesn't talk much, but he's never been afraid to really speak his mind about stuff. Like I remember a few years ago when they went up to Tavares, he he talked to ha- uh, Joe Haggerty and said something along the lines. I forget what he said, but it was something like that was like, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of them going after Tavares because I would have meant that Krejci was out the door. So guys who aren't afraid to say things but don't always do that, I think, are very interesting interviews. Um, a lot of these guys' stories have been told, so it's a little tougher because it's not like it's new information to hear that Brad Marchand loves to hunt. Like, we know that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the Bruins right now that uh, it'll come. I'll be, like, asleep, and it'll come to me. I'll be like, oh, this person. Um I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think the guys I named, Marshawn, Bergeron, you know, Rask, uh, Krug, obviously. Uh, but again, a lot of these guys speak anyways. Um, so they, they're, you know, they're, they're open to begin with. Um, like, to, oh, oh, actually, this is a good one. Tim Thomas. Having a good sit-down, like, podcast with Tim Thomas right now, I think people would care about. And I also think it would be very interesting. He hasn't spoke. He spoke once in the past, like, six years. You know, he's out in a bunker somewhere where no one even really knows. He's had horrible concussion issues. I think he would be a very interesting interview. So, actually, maybe my pick would be Tim Thomas. I would love that, too, because as much as I know Mark and Tim in the bunker and all that, but it is, I think it's been nice to, I do, that they've reconnected. He's kind of come back and he's coming out and, you know, he's... Yeah. Feeling, he's speaking about things and kind of reconnecting to, I guess, his roots, right? I mean, he was a great hockey yeah. player, and he just kind of left, and I'm glad he's doing better or whatever. So that would actually be awesome, too. Let's try to get you in on that. <laughs> That's going to be tougher than just going through Bruce PR. That's getting through <laughs> Tim Thomas PR, which is not very easy, unfortunately. Yeah. But that is something that would be very interesting, I think. Um, thoughts on the upcoming 24-team playoff? Um and uh, if if and when the health officials sign off on the go to get sports back in there, obviously no no fans in the building, uh, all those avenues and aspects of what could potentially happen. What are your thoughts on on returning to the game? I love it. I think it's great. Um, I obviously in normal circumstances we would pick this apart. We would find reasons to hate it. Um, but because we've been without sports for so long, hockey especially, um, I think we should be happy it's back. Like, that's my number one thing. I think it's it's a good thing that hockey's back, that the NHL was the first team to put a full plan forward of, hey, this is what we're going to do. We know not everybody's going to be happy about it, but we need the game to come back. You know, like baseball right now is having a huge issue. Like, th- that sport might die. <laughs> that league might suffer a real hit to them. Um because they can't agree on anything. Nobody wants to play. They, they want this. They don't want that. The NHL just said we're 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 going forward with this. And there were two teams that voted no. And then they you know now they've kind of come around with the Hurricanes, the Lightning. Um, I like it. I think from Bruins' perspective, it is tough that they could potentially lose the first seed. Um, but again, I think in a tournament like this, the first seed doesn't mean as much because there's no home ice. You know, there, there aren't fans in the stands. Maybe they'll pump in some fake crowd noise for the Bruins. I don't know. Um, uh, the only thing that is uh, will affect them is last change, which is a big thing, but I don't think it's big enough to really pitch a huge fit about potential, you know, being the four seed instead of the one seed. 
Uh, then it comes down to who you're playing. You know, and, and the other thing is you don't want the regular season to be totally discounted, which I feel like at some capacity they're going to factor in regular season success with how they how teams do in those round robin games. I think I would hope, like you know, like and that goes for the Blues too. Like the Blues had a great regular season, the Avalanche had a pretty good regular season. Like that should be all factored in to where they seed uh, for the first round. Now they've said that they're going to reseed after the uh, the, fir- the play in and the round robin. So that will be very interesting. That doesn't guarantee a Bruins Leafs first round, which we thought might happen again, but it probably won't. Um, but it should be interesting to see how. And I think like a lot of the matchups, especially in the playing rounds, I mean, those teams are dealing with so many circumstances, and there's so many good matchups in there. I'm very excited about it. Um, I wish fans could be there, but just to have games happen at some point, it'll probably be mid July, I would think. Um, but to just have that, and I think the round robin games will be intense too. I don't think they'll be as intense. But you know, a lot of people are saying like, why don't they just leave the seeds as is? Well, then those games, those round robin games, would just be half-ass exhibition games, and teams want to be ramping things up before the first round starts, or you're going to come in like the Bruins did against the Blues in the Cup, where the Blues come right off this uh, seven game, it was seven games I think against the Sharks, right? Uh, seven game series against the Sharks. The Bruins had been off for 11 days and did that dinky scrimmage. Remember that? Where Brad Marchand hurt his hand? Yep. Um, so yep. you want to come in fresh. So I think it's to the Bruins' benefit. It's to the fly. It's to the number four seed benefit as well because, like, what do they have to lose? Um, so overall, I think it's a good format. And I think it's good for the league as well and, and the spread of hockey. All right. My question is random and not related to sports, although you might relate it to sports. That's up to you. This is just a question from an old lady to a young man. You're 21 years old. Literally school and your other things you're doing come to an abrupt halt around spring break. What do you do with yourself in a quarantine town? And like, what that's, a great, that's a great question. I get asked this a lot, and I talk about it with my friends a lot. Um, at the beginning, it was no one knew it was happening, so it was kind of like I went home. So uh, when I remember there was a week in March the week before spring break for us at UMass when everything went crazy where like all of a sudden they're, you know, sports are shutting down. The NBA shuts down. Everything just is, is pandemonium. Um, and I remember leave, I have an apartment up in Amherst with some friends and, uh, I took more than I would ever take for a week at home. Cause they, UMass had already announced that we wouldn't come back until April 2nd at the least. Obviously that changed. We never went back. Um, so we had that and at the beginning it was it really was just kind of like i want to do things that will make me happy i know that sounds very like you know you know woo but it, it that was really the the mindset um at first so you know watched a ton of netflix shows that i wanted to watch that i never got a chance to because i was busy uh started a book that i still have to finish because i don't know why it's taking me this long but i kind of wanted to stretch it out it was catch and kill by ronan farrow which i, I really wanted to read a great book um did that uh like obviously zoomed with friends played a ton and i still do this ton of xbox with friends like that every night doing that kept me sane and that and it's funny like for for me and for so many of my friends so many kids my age it felt like we were young again because we would just spend nights instead of going out to the bars or going out to parties at night we're all going on xbox to just play nhl or call of duty or fortnite or whatever it might be until you know two in the morning 
and it felt like we were kids again. And that that was fun. Like that, and it's I'm still doing that. Like that to me was such a good mental break um, for for a lot of it. I also got back into working out, which was which has been awesome. Uh, which is a, which I'm very happy to get back into. I, I had been away from it for way too long, uh, and I realized that early on. Um, but yeah, so that those were the things. And now that things are starting to open back up, my friends and I meet. We play street hockey. We'll play tennis ball, baseball. Um, you know, we we meet outside. So that that's been fun. I mean, and now things are starting to get even more lax. And so, yeah, that's sort of what it is. Netflix, Xbox, hanging out. Like it's just. It's been uh, it's been chill, and I'm very happy that I'm not graduating uh, during this. I'm happy that I'm not entering the job market during this. I'm happy that you know I got I hopefully will spend the last year of my college experience with my friends rather than the second half being at home. So um, yeah, it's been it, it it's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be initially. Because you're just a very busy dude. That's the thing. I think I was saying to someone. I think we as a nation. Although, obviously, it's been crazy three, four months, depending on where you are. We as a nation live in a nation where you, like, get punished for using your vacation time in some places. Yeah. It's nice to slow down. Like, we're high-strung as a nation. Like, relax. and Yeah, it is. And it's it's funny. I remember there was talk about at the beginning, like, you know, in, in other cultures, like, a lot, of, a lot of friends abroad. And they talked about how there were, you know, hours of the day in other countries where, you know, everything stopped and everybody would just kind of relax. And in America, we do not have that. Like we're just always going, 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 going. Um, and both of you guys know that. And uh, I think that maybe it's going to get us to rethink, like, hey, let's let's pump the brakes here. Let's take some time to relax. Now, obviously, we've had all that right now. But to institute something like that in the society to, to kind of relax a little bit, to, you know, kind of chill out for a little bit, I think helped everybody. Um and so, yeah, hopefully maybe it makes a positive difference in society. Awesome. Uh, um, going Moving forward with the uh, NHL coming back, um, what is your plan as a media member? Are you going to be able to, or have you heard anything about when you'll be able to cover these games, or are you just going to be doing it like, uh, like me and Heather and just watch from home? Uh, I think it'll be from home. I don't think it'll be in person. Uh, we have not been told anything. Uh, which makes me think probably there won't be any local media there. I would think it would be just maybe national, um, and they'll like quarantine with the teams. Again, I'm just guessing because I, I have not heard anything. No one's heard anything locally, so I don't think there will be local media. I think it will be from home, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but you still get to put the gifts on Twitter. You still can write stories. Hopefully, they'll find a way to do Zoom media availabilities after games. Like hopefully they, they kind of keep it, and I also hope they don't get they. I hope uh, um, they don't get stuck in that way. I hope that they do at some point, probably early next year, allow media back in the building with fans. Like I hope they find a way to to you know if we have to stand six feet apart, fine, you know. But making sure that these Zoom media availabilities, as great as they are, as great as they have been, they have been awesome. Um, but I don't want it to become the standard. I don't want it to become the norm. Because uh, it takes away that face-to-face -face sort of interaction, so um, you know that's sort of what I'm hoping for now. But I'm certainly hoping that they go back to the way things used to be. Um, hopefully, early next year, I would think. One more, Eva. Go for it. Uh, I guess I guess I'm like you, Mark. We were talking about it last week. I don't know if you, ever, but um, I'm in with you. I do feel like the top seeds just they weren't getting screwed, but just you know, it is a little rough to have played most of the season and have that happen. 
do you think we might do you think our chances to win the cup I mean, now it's hard to judge because we haven't seen anyone skate in four months or whatever. It will be six yeah. months then. Right. But do you think that knowing this team, right, and just kind of where we're at, do you think that they still are the favorites to win the Cup? I do um, because I think everyone's on the same playing field. You know, everyone is sort of at the same level. Uh, everybody's been off for this a whole amount of time. No one's really gotten the chance to skate. Um, I think everyone's coming on the even even playing field. Guys have had time to rest up, get healthy. You know, will it be tougher for older guys like Chara and Bergeron and Krejci to get you know to regain the form they were in back in March? Yes, but it will be quicker because they've had all this time to rest and rehab and all that stuff. And for a guy like Rask, I mean, Rask is better with rest. Um, and that narrative obviously is is very widely well known, um, and you know he only started forty one games this past year. Mix that with three and a half to four months of nothing, and I think you're going to have a, a you know Rask returning to form fairly quickly. Um, so I still think they're the favorites. Um, Tampa's going to have Steven Stamkos most likely back. So, you know, now their chances are a lot better than they would have been in the playoffs. But everybody's getting guys back. You know, uh, everybody's getting guys more healthy. You know, Krug and Carlo had gotten hurt back uh, in March. And I think they would have been back before the start of the playoffs. But who's to say they'd be as healthy? You know, who's to say they would be fully back in their 100% form for the playoffs? So, you know, now they are. Now they're completely fine. It's been months. So I think everyone has those positives. And I, and I, I think that... Uh, the, I, I would still say the Bruins are still favorites to win the Cup. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. But in hockey, that doesn't always mean anything. Hockey's the only sport where you can be the favorite to win something, which means you probably won't win it. But I still think they are the favorites. Yes. Okay, so that's my actually one other question. Well, sure, we might not see Toronto, but do you think, because this is the kind of year it's been, that the first round will be us versus Montreal? <laughs> that would be something. And I think... I, so... Obviously, everyone's afraid of Montreal, and I get it. Like, Price has had the Bruins numbers in playoff rounds, you know, in this, you know, 2014, obviously, was the huge one. Um, to me, I look at that, that team now, and aside from the logo on the front, the names on the back don't really scare me. I mean, I, I, that team shouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, so, again, teams can get hot. Maybe I'm wrong, but they're, they are not a team that scares me. Uh, I think there are other teams that could come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a team that yeah. I think is very good. And Tortorella has that team coached very well. So they're a team that, you know, scared the Bruins last year. And this year, you know, I, in the regular season, I I forget the record, but I know the Blue Jackets had at least one win against the Bruins. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's a team to watch. Um, and I think it'll be exciting to sort of see how these teams like the Blackhawks and and like the like the Panthers do, who weren't supposed to make it, but then do, and, and kind of what they do with that opportunity, because uh, you know at least one of them is going to get hot. This is kind of like March Madness. These these lower seeded teams are going to, I think, have some sort of impact. It's going to stink for a team like the Penguins, who are five seed, or teams that are six seeds that would have made the playoffs no problem anyways, and now they're playing you know for the play in round. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Awesome. Evan, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, of course. Go, hopefully you get to go enjoy the beach. 
But uh, two things before you leave, and I'm, I'm I just I just wanted uh, to mention I, I'm a, a huge fan of yours. You know that I'm a huge fan of the Bruins Beat podcast on CLNS Media. Congratulations on a year, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I, it's funny I didn't even realize it hit a year. Uh, but again, thank you so much, and Mark for all your support. I mean, really, like that has helped tremendously. So I really can't thank you enough for that. And the second thing is, is it's about time you're 21. So now that we're doing uh, in a, <laughs> some uh, some media availability at the uh, Warrior Ice Arena, I can bring it to the rail stop and have a quick beer. That sounds like a great uh, a great thing. I'm totally down for that. All right, guys, uh, Bruins fans that are listening, please follow Evan Marinovsky uh, at E Marinovsky on Twitter, and please listen and subscribe and and rate and review uh, his tremendous podcast. He has some awesome awesome hosts. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, he has some awesome guests. He's an awesome host. We'll just put it that way. Thank you. (laughs) But, Evan, thank you so much for the time today, but I really appreciate it. Of course, guys. Thanks, Evan. All right. Yeah, no no problem. Thank you so much, guys. No problem at all. Talk to you soon. See ya. Hey guys, we're back, and that was just a, uh, a great talk with Evan. Such a great young man, grinding his way through the sports media uh, in school at UMass, and he's just, a, just an unbelievable person, and I'm glad I'm friends with him, and glad I got to know him uh, through the process of, of being a media member myself when I had the opportunity to do development camps and training camps and so on. So uh, what did you think about that interview? I had a lot of fun and I was very excited to do it. He really, I, like I said to him, just he's only 21, but he's such a pro and he carries himself with such confidence and he has such passion and that kid's going to fuck, you know, keep chugging at it and thank you for your time. And it was great to get to sort of meet you. (laughs) Yeah. And that was your actual first interview as a black and gold podcast host. So he did, did a great job with the questions and I thought it was uh, really well done. Yeah, I had fun. I'm glad. Hopefully we can, once start rearing up again, maybe we can talk to Evan again. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. We'll have him back on again. He's such a great kid, and he always puts uh, some time away to, to, to chat. So um, let's get some, uh, some Bruins topics uh, going on. You wanted to do last week after episode one and you won, you brought up the idea of what our 28-man roster would look like. And with that being said, the NHL has allowed each team to go, well, actually the teams that are actually making it into the 2014 playoff to have additional spots onto their roster instead of 20, um, which they uh, do a 23-man roster that they do in the regular season. But in the playoffs, it's a 28. So we did a little homework and try to figure out who would be on our team. So, um, Heather, since you're the, the lady friend, why don't you go first with uh, yours and you can read right down all the way. I read the list straight sure. down. Okay, so I'm taking three goalies, 15 forwards, and 10 defensemen. Ready? Go for it. Rask, Rask Halak, Ladesh, of course, because like I was saying before, I'd like to see him like get a little more pressure. You know, like how can he... Our young players, you know, we tend – that's where they kind of jump in the fire is the playoffs. It's like every year there's someone. So I want it to be him as, if necessary, to give him a little bit of experience of what it's like to be in these kind of real pressure cooker situations. All right, obviously the obvious. Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak, DeBrus Krejci, Kasha, 
Coyle, Bjork, Coleman, Nick Ritchie, Wagner, Nordstrom, Seneshin, Sidnika, and anyone but Trent Frederick or Solaric, but now I guess it's going to have to be Trent Frederick. Uh-huh. And on defense, the obvious, right? The boys that are always there. Chara McAvoy, Carlo Krug, my favorites. Uh, Grizzlick Moore, I'm going to give Clifton, Camper, Lauzon, and Bakaninen because I do want to see Bakaninen. Like, are we at a point where we're going to be parting ways? Are you really going to be able to slot up soon? Uh, obviously, Lauzon, we saw, him, we saw him more this year. You know what I mean? Uh, I know it's been hit or miss with him, as you've reported, down in Providence uh, with the concussions and whatever else. Uh, but that's my people. All right. Well, mine's going to be a little different. I figured it would be. And that's good because we can't agree on everything. But my first line would be uh, Marshan Bergeron, Pasternak. Second line, DeBrus, Krejci, Kasha. Third line, Corrali, Coyle, and Bjork. Uh, fourth line, Nick Ritchie, Parlinholm, and Chris Wagner. Defense, Chara McAvoy. Krug, Carlo, Lozon, Grizzlick. Uh, goalies, which there's, there's, I don't believe there's an amount, but uh, I have obviously Ras Kalak, Vladar, like you said, could get that, that experience uh, if needed. Or just, and I put Swayman. Now, both of those guys could be, could benefit. They're not probably not going to get any playing time, but those two could benefit from just being with the team through a playoff like this I know it's a little unorthodox playoff but you know being with the club surrounded by all these teammates that you're going to be probably playing with maybe later on is always a good thing um but the extra forwards that I have are Nordstrom, Kuhlman, Frederick, and Studnika the extra defensemen I have are Clifton, Moore, Kampfer, and Zaboro so a little, little discrepancy on both of our areas on the back of nine. And um, I, I didn't see much. I mean, I, I saw good things, but there wasn't consistency in his game um, enough to give him any opportunity as a black ace, I guess. Um, probably not going to get, probably going to get hammered for that, but that's all right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my pick. Um, and in a, uh, I have to mention this, that uh, the goalie rotation per Bruce Cassidy on the Perfection Pod did mention uh, this. Was, the Perfection Pod is with uh, Joey McDonald and Fluto Shinzawa. They had Bruce Cassidy on not long ago, and Bruce mentioned that there is a strong possibility because of the lack of playing time per COVID-19, the pause and so on, that there's probably going to be a case that uh, a Halak and Rask back and forth could be played in the first round robin to get them uh, adequated to game action and possibly ride Rask or the hot goaltender uh, moving forward. So there's no lock in the playoffs as of right now. It's pretty much we're going to see who plays the best. But um, just that's coming from Bruce Cassidy. So that's what I got. A couple things I was to say. One, I didn't forget about Corrali, but Corrali's been having kind of a rough season, right? Yeah. So I, I am all in if you want to slot him in for Nick Ritchie or whoever. You know, one of the guys that play consistently with the Bruins. You know, he just – so I just want to say that. And it, it makes sense that with the goaltending, that's how they've been playing all year anyways. Like, yeah, Tuka started playing a little bit more once we got to February or whatever, but 
it's still been pretty split down the middle the whole season or if injury, you know, Tuca had his injury for a little bit there in December or whenever it was, you know, so that's good to see. And also like the Vaccanian thing, that's fine. Like you see the more, I just more like some of these young kids, like we talk about the pipelines kind of stop. So I just want to see like, sometimes when you put someone under pressure, like Connor Clifton, he's not someone I, I mean, I like his style, but maybe not someone I would necessarily was like, Oh yeah, I need to see this guy up here this, you know, early. But then when he came in, Sure, it wasn't perfect, messy, you know, whatever, but he worked his butt off and he was instrumental in helping us when he was up there. So that's kind of how I feel about Vaccanine. And so if you want to switch him out for Zaboro, I'm not arguing with that. I just more like, no, it's all I good. See some of them sink or swim, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the idea uh, or what I saw with the, um, the coil, uh, coil center in Corrali and Bjork. That did happen a few times, uh, I think more or less. At the turn of the calendar year, I think Bruce was messing around with that, and I saw some really good, good chemistry, uh, uh, good puck possession between uh, Corrali and Coyle and Speed of Bjork. So uh, that's the third line that I really like. Um, I mean, any any line that you're on with Coyle, uh, I think that you're going to be one of those types of uh, players that you know adjusts to his game and 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 uses any 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 situation to their benefit. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is, this is what we do. It's just a prediction. There's nothing set in stone. It's just from, from us two clowns talking, uh, talking some Bruins hockey. That's all. I don't know anything about anything except for what I thought about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the next topic we have on tap is uh, the Chara at 1000 special that was on Nesson. And I thought that this was, an absolutely well done job by the productions team at Nesson. Um, and, and one thing that I found out later on that a majority of this, and it took the reason why it took so long is because they wanted to do this, this special right around his 1000th game or shortly after that. But it really shut down the studio shut down and all production shut down and they did this all remotely, which I found was very interesting that when you thought you saw Chara sitting there across from, from Jack Edwards, it was actually like the green screen behind me. It was all set up to get it done and, uh, and so on. So I thought that that was a great technical, technological job by Nesson to get that, that out there. And, and I swear to God, I thought they were doing it face to face. Yeah, I thought they had just released it. I didn't realize they had put po- like the post production all happened after all the yeah had shut down. Yeah, they mentioned they this mentioned the, right there holding the yeah, cup. Charu. They they mentioned that a lot of these guys that, that when you know when they basically got released from the studio and said you got to go home and work that these guys went into like like overtime mode with with time and and so on on their on their in their own little offices or at home and so on. To, to really get this done and, and not delay it any further. COVID-19 was not going to ruin uh, the production of the Chara 1000. And I just thought it was fantastic. You really got a sense of what he's all about. Uh, a lot of the times that, you know, Bruins fans, they see him on the ice. Uh, they see him in the community. But you don't get a, a real chance to see um, his wife, his family, what, he's, what he went through, um, his parents. Uh, his father was an Olympic wrestler, I believe, and and very driven into success. 
and 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 what Chara learned from his father definitely brought him into today's workout mode and the way he thinks and 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 continues to improve even though he's still he's a 42 43 year old defenseman that you know is on the downside of his career but he's still making everything work putting the pieces together to create a little more longevity in his career and but but just the overall um show and uh the inner workings of his family and the kids and and so on i just thought was amazing I, I really thought it was well done. I, it was fun to see his wife talking about it. Like, I thought it was funny when she said they were trying to decide when he was going to go to free agency, you know? And she said, he, she said something like, he said, next time you can pick the city, but this time it's about the cup or something like that. And I just thought it was funny. Like, you can just tell how proud she is of him, but also just like, yeah, I see him, how you know, like, he's a Dano to you, but he's my, like, you know, he's silly. And uh, it was great seeing interaction. I like seeing a lot of the old guys. Like, I mean, geez, Marco Sturm, you know, just like everybody. Like, it was fun and like to talk about. It. I thought it was funny. I don't remember who had said it, but they were saying, um, like you said, uh, Chara obviously was Czechoslovakia, and then it became Slovakia in the Czech. You know, and uh, he's in you know our our generation. You know what I mean? So it's like you remember that. Like I remember when the Berlin Wall came in. I you know we were raised in the Cold War and the post. So it was interesting to say to him how. Like they'd have the propaganda, like one of them said he told a story about how they had the propaganda in the square and they would shoot their soccer balls at it. And it was nice, you know, just stories like how funny stories, like when he said his dad decided to build a weld so for two days or two weeks or whatever, we're digging out stumps and rocks and moving it. And that's how he got his work, you know, but it was, it was cool. Also, I got the chills during some of the games. One, like when they're showing replays of the games, like remember in 2008 when you didn't think we were going to make the playoffs and I said, we're making the playoffs and someone still owes me a Montreal. Uh, 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 no, but like that game, well, they showed game six and remember Barry and I went to game six and like, I just, it was like, it truly, I think it did. It just totally kicked off a new era of like, like, our age group is weird because we're like after the Bobby Orr and all of that. And we still had an awesome team, but we didn't have as much playoff success when we were kids until, you know, later, you know, turning around, it was hot or cold. There were many years where it was like, damn it, we're not going to maybe make the playoffs or whatever, but it was cool. And then when they showed, when we won the Eastern conference in 2011, I thought, remember me and Mark were at the Lafayette club and I was like, holy shit, we're going to play for the cup. And you were like, shh, there's not a minute left. <laughs> true, true. And we sat there. And of course, just that like, was... how, I, I think it said a lot about how, you know, great of a work ethic he is and how people make him, he makes people around him better, but to hear all of the people and even seeing coach Claude and, you know, everyone say like, he is a beast. He's truly a larger than life man. His what he leads by example, and uh, to hear them all in their own words saying about how he's affected them or how he makes me want to work harder or whatever. And uh, who was it? something about injury? And one of the players said, "And I'm like, geez, he shouldn't even be playing. I better be ready tonight. Like this is, you know, going on." And it was nice. Thanks, Captain, for your thousand games plus as a Bruin at this point. And maybe another season more, but hopefully at least a cup this year before yes. you go. Cause yes, hopefully you, you, it's not easy being the captain of the Boston Bruins and you from the minute. Um, I remember when it was said, like he wants to be the captain when he came in, I was kind of thinking, who the frig is this guy? I think, I mean, I knew who he physically was, but like, who's this guy? I think he's walking in to be the captain of this team. And 
probably the best decision this organization's made in the last 40 years. Or Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not my favorite defenseman in the world, but uh, what, by seeing stuff like this, it makes you really appreciate him a little more, you know, so. This, First point this, in three decades. Yeah, I know. I know, exactly. All right, let's move it along a little bit. Let's talk about some predictions on the play-in round. Robin, Heather, you, uh, this was one of yours, so why don't you lead this off? All right, I guess I just was interested. I know what I think. And obviously, like we were saying earlier when we were talking to Evan, like, you know, you don't really – obviously, everyone's had rest. Like, Columbus is probably going to be more of a beast against Seth Jones. Like, things are come a lot of teams. And we're not going to see the same teams when we get back to hockey as we're seeing in March or whatever. Um, so I just wanted to know real quick the play and things. If you want to, we can talk about how we think the top four seeds are going to – or not seeds, whatever <laughs> – how they'll play out, but let's just go for the East uh, best of five playoff play in whatever exactly is called logistically uh, Pittsburgh versus Montreal. What do you think? Uh, I want Pittsburgh, but Montreal could be that sneaky good team. And like Evan said uh, in the interview we had previously that, you know, Mon- uh, Carey Price is, is gaining a lot of uh, notoriety with his play and what he can do with rest. So, and, and we've seen in the past on what he can do when the team puts, uh, you know, him on his shoulders, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, that's, that's, that's going to be a tough one, tough one to grind it out. I think Pittsburgh is an awesome team, right? But I feel like because they're Pittsburgh, everyone thinks that they are their best form of Pittsburgh, right? Now, yes, they'll be a little healthier when they come back. But right now, Montreal's kind of young and dumb, you know what I mean? And like, wow, man, we weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. So here we go. Not, like, I think whenever you have kind of those teams that shouldn't be there, they always disrupt something, and it could be Montreal very easily versus Pittsburgh in the first round. That being said, Pittsburgh, although it's changed forms over the last 15, 20 years, is a powerhouse team. They have a coach who knows how to win. They have a lot of players that have been there and won. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I think Montreal's going to win, though. Something's got to disrupt from the beginning, right? This is going to be the most interesting playoff series ever. All right, Carolina <laughs> versus the Rangers. Oh, Not the Rangers. Because you have a soft spot for the Rangers. No, the Rangers. I, I, I honestly think that that this is a really good team led by uh, the, uh, the, the, the bread man, Panarin, um, and Jacob Truber on the back end. And – they they have a lot of good good players, um, and but the 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 weird thing for me is is I'm not I'm not relying on Henrik Lundqvist. I'm relying on the two goaltenders that they have and uh, Igor Shesterkin, uh, you know, just notably his name. I think that he can be he could be that that player that just that could steal a series. Uh, he's so good. I saw him play for the Hartford Wolfpack when they came to the Providence uh, down as a uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center, and let me tell you, like when when the Providence Bruins played him, there's no chance. He was so good. As soon as he got called up, the Providence Bruins started beating Hartford. Good information to know. I I was thinking. I know Carolina is going to be a little healthier than they were. I just still don't think they're. I as much as I think the Rangers finally were morphing into the team we all thought they might be at the beginning of the year but then it took them forever but they they were on the party train as we were going we got shut down for covid i think carolina structurally is not 
ready for a deep run. You know what I mean? Either way. And I think the Rangers, like you said, I mean, they have a, a lot of great players and it's like, they finally got it together, you know? And I think it's important for the Rangers too, because they did kind of burn the house down and let's see what happens. But I agree. Rangers. All right. What do you think the Islanders and the Panthers? On one hand, I feel like the Panthers might be, again, like Montreal and just like, whatever, we're here, let's do it. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. But at the other side, the Islanders have struggled, but they're still, I feel like, a more experienced, more structured team, even though they're not the same Islanders from last year, which was fine with them, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's an, another, another tough one right here because uh, you never know what, what team you're going to get. Um, but the, the leadership on the Islanders, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's the captain now that Tavares left. Uh, I still can't get his name, but, uh, Gold Barzell, is he their captain? Huh? Is Barzell their captain? No, no like it's not. Name. It's some, it's, it's, yeah, Anders Lee, Anders Lee. Yeah. So, so Anders, I, had to, I had to restart my brain about the Islanders for a second. Hadn't thought about them for a couple minutes. Yeah, Anders Lee is a good captain, good player, and so on. Barzell's a great player, uh, very effective. Um, you know, they're going to get some players back. Goaltending is still going to be an issue. Uh, I know Simeon Valamov and Thomas Grice are still with the team. I don't know if that's a, a playoff, you know, type of tandem that's going to blow anybody out of the water but with all the rest who knows I mean they could be that that uh that dark horse but I would oh this is a tough one but I'm gonna have to say I'm going with coach Q and the Florida Panthers I was thinking I think in the end why I'm sitting here because this one I wasn't quite sure but I think that coach Q knows how to win you know, and I'm not saying they're going to win the cup necessarily. I just mean as for disrupting maybe the first couple rounds, if Bobrovsky gets hot and Coach Q has these boys under control, they have enough. And even just like the experience, like we were talking earlier with Nola Chari moving there, like he's got a kind of fire under his step, good leadership for the kids. You know, they're a young team, but they have been a cusp team, maybe a little less than we thought they would be at the beginning of the season. But I'm going to go with – I and Coach Q always trust. I don't know. Like I just – I still can't believe Chicago even let him go back in the day. Like, just right. Stupid? Are you stupid? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go. All right. Let's see. The last one in the East, we have the Leafs versus the Columbus <laughs> Blue Jackets. I got Columbus the all day long. Columbus. Mm. And and one thing that um, is like you said earlier, and a great point: the Seth Jones is going to be healthy. I believe, and uh, they have some good forwards, good grinder, good grinder team that can that can get it done. Uh, obviously, they didn't get it done last year against our Bruins, but they they did do. They were our it, toughest team we played, though. Yeah, but they did they did what it took to get rid of uh, the per, I mean the perennial. Everybody had the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup last year, and they couldn't even hold uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets jock in the first round. So, you know. I don't know. This is a scary team, but it, what's more scarier about this team, Heather, in my opinion, and you know I'm going to go hashtag goalie union, is that Elvis Merzliskin or whatever how you ever say it. Merzliskin? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I hacked it. Um, no, I, I probably just hacked it. I can't remember. No, I'm just kidding. But he was, he was on an absolute tear in his, in his rookie year. The Latvian is just one of those goaltenders that just came out of nowhere to really put the Blue Jackets team on his shoulders. 
but I, I just see the the uh, Blue Jackets running over uh, the 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 laughs. <laughs> How great will it be if someone else knocks the Leafs out of the first round before they get to the first round? I know, I know, and I'm you know I, I, I still can't... think my thing with Toronto is I still don't think that they are built like they have great legs they have great hands but they even with the coaching change like I think what's sure okay Babs had to go it was time or whatever in spite of any craziness or whatever Marner taunting or whatever but I think what happened with them was the same thing always happens when you get a new coach things change for a minute but all those cracks that this team still has like on the back end things like that now that they've had their new coach and went about it. Sure, they were playing better, more like Toronto after the coaching change. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, sorry, I couldn't think of his name for a second. Yep. But I still don't think that they are designed, even with all their talent, to get past the first round either way. I'm taking Columbus because even though they're – this is going to sound weird given what Columbus had last year in the playoffs. They were all in. They did that whole thing. And they look like a different team on many levels. I actually think that even without the big name goaltender or whatever, this and that, that they are a better team this year. And they're going to, the people who are still there have experience now. They know what it's like to grind against the big teams like Boston. They got, you know, they, maybe no one thought they would get to the second round, but they did, you know? And so that's, yeah. me. that's it. Do you want to do the West real quick just to see your opinion? I uh, don't have time. Okay. Go. I, I, I don't think we have time. Sorry to, sorry about that. Uh, the, uh, Marinovsky interview was kind of uh it was good it was good but we're just kind of jockeying around a little bit um unless we can do it like real real quick well just answer just one word answer ready Edmonton Chicago Edmonton Nashville Arizona Arizona oh, gotta go experience Nashville okay Vancouver uh, Minnesota Vancouver Mm-hmm. And the Flames versus the Jets. Hellebuck's a great. It's always a goalie. Yeah, <laughs> I know. No, Connor Hellebuck. That's a, he's hella good. Like yeah, seriously. yeah, yeah. He ain't no Hellebuck girl. Also, why do they need two people going to the first? What's the hell? Hellebuck girl. Okay, Gwen Stefani. I go. <laughs> um, can you just real quick tell me how do you think the top four teams are going to land after the warm up play in seating? Boston, Tampa, Caps, Philly. Go. Boston still remains the number one. Tampa, the number two. Um, uh, who else is involved? Capitals and Philadelphia. Capitals three, Philly four. See, I'm going to actually bump Philadelphia up to three. And I'm going to put the Caps at four. Yeah. Because Philly's good. Philly has figured their shit on some level, right? Oh, yeah, a new and, coach will do that to you. Right. And they're like, they've been able to hang, right? They had won nine in a row until we beat them before shutdown on our last game or whatever. So that's just me. All right, what are we mo- moving on to now? Real, real quick, I just wanted uh, to touch on what uh, some boxer announcer had to say about hockey. Uh, host of the ESPN's first take, Max Kellerman, says, quote, nobody really cares about hockey. It's not one of the four major team sports. That is an absolute bullshit take from an absolute bullshit person that knows absolute bullshit about hockey. Why would you even say that? That's just ridiculous. Like boxing is one of the, one of those professional sports that he's talking about. You took hockey, you took hockey out for boxing. Crazy. 
first of all, these kids don't watch boxing. They watch UFC. Okay, let's be honest. It's not, what is it, 1988? We're watching Friday Night Fights. I'm not saying boxing isn't awesome. But everybody will tell you the top four sports in this country are football, basketball, baseball, hockey. The order might change or whatever. And soccer, obviously, uh, football, as you will, has gotten bigger over um, the years and is obviously the top. Boxing is not a top sport. It's not. NASCAR gets bigger rating ship than boxing does, okay? So we're going to do that. I will give you NASCAR might get more viewership than hockey, but everyone, everyone besides this one dude would include hockey. Even if you say it's the fourth most important, everyone is on board for it's one of the most important because every place has a regional team that they like. There's nowhere there isn't it anymore from the youth level up. You know what I mean? Sorry, that's ridiculous. Also, there's only like four people who even know anything about hockey in ESPN. So if you're not those people, shut up and just don't talk about it if you're from ESPN. Shout out Greg Lashinsky. Yeah. But but the thing is, it's like, you know, it's like ESPN wants to get back into hockey. This isn't something that they should have not he should have not yeah. said about that's his company. Help. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right. Um, moving on to the next topic really quick. Want to say a happy birthday. Shout out to former Boston Bruins player and now president of the organization, Mr. Cam Neely, who turned 55 today. But I want to add on something. This is also the anniversary of the trade that got him from Vancouver to Boston on June 6th, 1986. Pretty cool. And believe it or not, there's two current players that play in the Bruins organization, not for the NHL Bruins, but in the organization that have ties to the trade tree. Can you believe this? From what? 19... From 1986, this is per – oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose his name. I, I should have written it down. I'm sorry. It's a Twitter follower that I know, and uh, he's probably going to kill me if you heard this. But Trent Frederick and Sean Corrali are have ties to the Bruins' Cam Neely trade from back to 1986. The trade oh, tree goes all the way back. It's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I would like to take the time to say happy birthday, Cam Neely. And they, I've been watching old games. I think I texted you the other day. Good God, this game's so old that Neely, Bork, and Sweeney are all on the ice. We're playing the Harvard Whalers, and that's the old garden. Like, kind of thing. I know. Uh, it's the Adams Division Finals. Uh, but I would also like to, even though she will never hear this, say happy birthday to my mother-in-law, Donna, who today is her birthday as well. So Donna, happy birthday, happy birthday Donna. So I just want to say that. All right. But yeah, Let's... no, that's awesome. Like Cam Neely, even when I see the commercial for the best of Cam Neely, they're airing on Ness and I'm like, God, his hands. He was just so good. Those damn knees. What is it with knees taking on our players? It was you know? crazy. He really was good. And All right. Like, oh, Let's jump to the hashtag ask BNG uh, listener questions. We had uh, one, two, three, four, four of them. I will start with my boy and uh, co-host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast. Got to mention again, doing a little fanboy over here. Uh, those guys have been killing it. And just they just had Jerry Chivas on. They had Bob Sweeney. And they had somebody else I can't remember. But this week, they just dropped that they're having uh, Jay Miller 
on the program, which is a Bruins tough guy that used to roam the ice with the likes of um, AAF, WAAF. What is his name? Oh, God, I can't remember. Whatever. Um, he, he was working for WAAF, and he was a former Bruin. I don't remember who it is right now off the top of my head. Oh, my God. It's going to kill me. I'm going to think about it now. You know if I could think of what it was, I would be offering suggestions, but. Lyndon Byers. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Lyndon Byers. So, well, I'm an uh, idiot, too, then, because I'm like, <laughs> uh, I can't think of that right now. It's like 105 degrees today, and. Yeah, I, I hear that. I I'm roasting. Old school info like that. I'm roasting myself. But anyway, Ask BNG. Uh, this is from Chris Blackie at Chris underscore Blackie. If need be, and the Bruins used Tadnika in the playoffs, where would you put him in the lineup? Go ahead, Heather. All right, I, I'll go first. You go I would, first. I gotta think. I would. Him. I would put him on the right side. I would take out Kasha. Um, I'm not. That's just not because Kasha's not doing anything wrong, but that's the only spot I could actually see him. Dom Tiano talked me off of the roof on the whole right wing uh, scenario and how he could play there. So that's an option for him. Uh, I don't see him playing fourth line minutes and taking on the fourth line center role. So the only option would be on the right side, on the second line. Yeah, see, I don't think I'm on board with not for anything against him as good as he's turning out to be I don't think he has enough experience needing to be on our second line you know what I mean I think that first of all we don't really know with Kasha and what would have might have happened if you slotted him up there on the second logger um but I just I think I I'm not to be distrustful but I just feel like that's a hot spot to have to throw a kid in and grace under fire do you know what I mean and also you we've talked about this right about that you don't want to overwhelm him either so maybe figuring out how to give him third or fourth line, right side, whatever, because he can move around wherever you might need him. You know what I mean? Or even move him around a little. It's not like um, these guys from Providence play on any of these other lines. It's going to be all new to them, no matter where you slot them. Right. Um, I would not slot him that high up though. I would definitely rather give him maybe where we need it the most, or maybe he's most comfortable at least for the first time. uh, The first couple of strides. Cause I mean, you're literally jumping into playoffs right now. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's just me. All right. Thank I'm not exactly you. sure where or who with. I don't know. Like, I don't have that on me. But. Thanks, Chris, for that awesome question. Uh, Bruins man at Bruins man one. Uh, hashtag AskBNG. If a rash of injuries should happen upon the return of play, which black aces do you see getting minutes, be it defense, forward, or goaltending? Uh, defense for me. I would think that like Camphor would be one because he's got experience. Uh, a forward would be probably Stetnika because he's the, the next highest prospect on the on the on the list. Um, and goaltending, why not just see Vodar and see what he can do if uh, that happens? I'm, I think that that's probably the pecking order that'll probably go. Yeah, I agree with you. Especially about Camper because he does have experience. This guy has a whole career of making sure that the Bruins, when they need him, is ready to go and comes through usually when he's there. You know what I mean? Yep. He's not the player you hope you don't necessarily want him always in the lineup, but he's definitely a player that does his job when he does show up. And that's why he's been 
with the Bruins and the organization so long, going back and forth and doing whatever he has to do. So I agree with that. All right. Thank you, Bruins man. One on Twitter. Uh, another Twitter follower, Bruins Luchador. This guy's a friggin' beauty. And he asked some very interesting questions. Uh, can I have two scenarios from the expansion draft? What do you think the worst and best case scenario is? The best case, John Moore. The worst case for me, Matt Grizzlick. Thoughts? Yeah. I think last week we talked about it. Like, I want Grizz to stay. I don't want it. Even if we resign him and then have to expose him, hopefully not because you have to expose people. Uh, John Moore, we need to replace that roster spot and that to whatever, five mil or whatever. Not because, again, I'm not someone who's anti-Moore. I've watched him on many teams. He's your run-of-the-mill good, you know, not like elite defenseman anymore, but like as for like back end, but he is had his struggles at times. So you don't necessarily want him consistently in either. That's why even I would go with camper over him, but um, yeah, Grizzlick would be way more important to do, to protect to me if you were to resign him and with the expansion coming. I'm still sore about Colin Miller. Okay. Still <laughs> sore. Same here. Thank Same you. Bruins. Thank you. Bruins Luchador for the question. And one more from the Bruins man. Uh, ask hashtag ask BNG. What are your feelings on the receding after each round? I personally like it. That's how you reward efforts for a regular season. I'm it's a lot better now that the both sides had times to talk and negotiate and so on about this because before uh, last week, it wasn't an issue. It was more or less like, you know, we're just going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way and do it that way. But the way things are happening in, in COVID-19 era, uh, things are happening on the fly. So when these two uh, uh, groups get together and talk about it and hammer out a way that it's fair and good for the, you know, the one thing that I got out of the whole negotiations was that the both sides were really wanted to get more games involved in the first round. The league really wanted to do the time crunch and think about like a best of five series in the first round uh, the players said, no, I mean, that's not enough. I think John Tavares was one that spoke up and said, that's, that's not good enough for us. We need more games. We want a seven game. Then they came to a, an agreement on, uh, on lower uh, games. But anyway, uh, I like it. It's, it is what it is. I, I just need to get over this speed bump of COVID-19 and what it's doing to uh, the pause and trying to get back. And then we get back into hopefully – uh, normal league play in the uh, 2021 campaign. I like it because like we were saying, I mean, as much as you want to keep the continuity of what we expect, again, I expect four rounds of seven games, you know what I mean? Do what you want to play in, play out or whatever, but part of win the Stanley cup, right. Is being the first team that wins the 16, right. That's the whole entire sweet beauty of it in the DP, you know, whatever. I actually like this better now that I know they're going to reseed and stuff because I think that does make it more fair. Like, I think everyone's been so worried about worrying about what's fair for the teams that may or may not have made the playoffs anyways if the natural order of things had happened. No one has thought enough about what is fair to the teams that are the top teams in the league. You know what I mean? Like, what's more fair to them? So if you're not going to have that, I like it because it, this shakes it up more. So it's almost like it doesn't any of – really matter on one hand because it's going to make for really interesting like you know if you're doing it every time as opposed to kind of 
I mean, maybe not fair for everybody, the, how the first round, the play in round or whatever is. That might be a little unfair, but I think by reseeding, it kind of levels the field and makes it more fair if we're going to have this crazy 2014 tournament, making it more of a don't put the asterisk next to the cup kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's just me. Also, yep. I mean, the cream of the crop's going to rise to the top over the rounds as it always does. And sometimes the big cream will fall for no reason. But I do like the reseeding. I think it makes me feel better and it feels like, okay, now everyone's needs were met in some way by doing it this way. And the fans, I think it's going to be great. Like, you know, yeah, you're going to be waiting to see, not just like, you know, who you'll play out of the series. You'll have to wait and see who you're going to physically play. And teams can't prepare as well though. So I guess that's the one thing I think was weird about that, but. Right. Um, I want to give a huge shout out. I was on a Bruins related podcast last week and it was called the dump and change podcast. Heather subscribe to these guys. Really, really fun. Good hockey talk. I, I had a blast. Uh, we had some drinks. We talked some prospects. And that's the Dump and Change podcast. You can follow them on any, uh, I believe, all major worldwide listening platforms. You can follow them on Twitter, too, at the letter N underscore change. And uh, hosts Nick, Jared, and Nestor, they do a fantastic job. And uh, I had a blast and I can't wait to come back on their program because they had some great questions to ask me about Bruins prospects. And um, I really enjoyed their program and I'm, I'm digging into the archives of, of, uh, of their show. So I highly suggest that you follow those guys and subscribe. Um, another thing I want to talk about is Patreon. We are getting more things to do with Patreon. We understand that things are tough right now, but, uh, I ordered shirts and I ordered signed pucks. So if you want to get involved in this, please donate $1 per episode at patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. And the, the pucks that I did order so far and they're signed and they come with a COA. So the opportunity for you to win a puck for $1, all you did was do $1. We pick a random number, bam, I send it to you. But so far I have a puck from Fred Stanfield. Wayne Cashman, Reggie Lemlin, Rick Middleton, and Jerry Cheevers. And that list is going to get longer. The more people we get involved in this Patreon, the more things we can do. We're going to do, once we kick off next season's show, if it's going to be a 20, let's just say a 25-week uh, season, I will have 25 items pre-done. I'm not going to do it on the fly anymore. I will have 25 items here in the office in the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast studio. And as soon as somebody's picked, it is getting shipped that day. No more delays. And I'm sorry for the people that are, that are still waiting. I'm, I'm just trying to get caught up on everything right now because it's a little tough. COVID-19 ruins everything. So we have a lot of things coming up. If you want to write for us, you want to start a podcast, you want to be a vlogger on YouTube, reach out to me, Black and Gold Hockey blog at gmail.com tell me what you want to hear you know if you want to do something with us what you're welcome to entertain the idea your creative is creativity is all up to you uh we, we're currently looking for more people we have 24 25 writers right now we're still looking for more still looking for more content it's freaking crazy like i need more freaking work to do right heather yeah 
Um, before we shut down, I, I would like to, um, speaking of how COVID shut everything down, last night, I think it would have been the night that the seniors, Ainsbury High School's 2020 graduates. Oh, they drove by and scared the shit the out of me. did a drive-by. They put the graduates socially distanced X amount, drove them around on the buses, police escort, everything. I know my aunt and I personally went out on the deck at her house and shared our heads off. Um, I would like to say congratulations to our class of 2020 and at Amesbury Innovation uh, High School and all the graduates of anywhere from preschool to whatever. You might have missed your stuff, but you deserve it. That's the way you persevere is by getting on the bus and beeping and screaming, and that's how we all go. So congratulations to them, specifically Miss Nadia and Miss Beverly, and go class of 2020 because someone deserved it. You guys definitely did have <laughs> everything come to an abrupt halt. Yes. So. Congratulations. And before we end, we want to say thank you to our show sponsor, betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50 for a sweet sign-up bonus. And I uh, also want to uh, shout out Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Go to awaken180weightloss.com. Talk to one of the people over there to uh, you know find a program that fits your needs for your weight loss needs and and so on. They do, they do a great job over there. And so um, with that being said, shout out to Evan Marinovsky for coming on today. Really appreciate him as always. Such a great guy and a beauty in the, in the locker room. Um, rubbing elbows as a media members and um, the Patreon members that still continue to pay. Thank you so much. Thank you for the shares on Twitter. Thank you for the retweets on Facebook. I said that backwards on purpose because I'm a little silly like that. But anyway, thank you very much for listening. Heather, thank you for week number two in a row. I'm so happy to have you back. It's, it's such, a, such a great time to talk to you again. Thank you. Well, thank you for bringing me back into the fold. Absolutely. It's been too long. It was fun. Thank you, Evan. That was great. I didn't realize really, didn't think about it being my first interview. So I'm glad it was you because you do a great job. And hopefully when I'm on our podcast, I sound as well put together as you do on yours. Probably not, but that's all right. Um, and rate and review people, please yes. rate and review. Please. We love the rate and reviews, but boom shakalaka. We are done. We will talk to you next week. Goodbye Bye. folks. Thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.